0: Before we get started today, we wanted to take a quick moment to thank our patrons over on Patreon. Uh, we were able to make a donation to the International uh, Red Cross uh, organization uh, with our uh, Patreon earnings from March, um, which you know we really appreciate. We've been you know very distressed and distraught seeing uh, what's going on over in Ukraine. We wanted to. You know, see how we could help, and uh, we made a donation in the the name of the podcast patrons. So, thank you very much for that. We encourage everyone to check out the icrc.org for more information on that charity. And Cassia has some other good resources to find out more about, you know, what's going on over there and ways you can help and ways you can be informed.
1: Yeah, it's very distressing to see what's going on in Ukraine and. It's, it's people's lives, their homes, uh, their children, uh, their parents uh, are in distress. And uh, I just wanted to thank our uh, patrons for uh, helping us donate to the Red Cross. And some other resources, in case uh, you're not aware, uh, there is Care USA, Direct Relief, Doctors Without Borders, and if you go to the Nerf Herder Co, they have a Rebel Alliance line of candles, stickers, t-shirts, uh, mist and wax melts, a hundred percent of the proceeds gathered from that Rebel Alliance line goes to Voices for Children, directly to the Children Impacted, uh, in ukraine and uh what i love about this line is it smells like sunflowers uh which are the national flower of ukraine and uh it makes me i want to hope for the future and i hope that uh those impacted by the recent uh attacks by the russian forces uh know that the world is behind them and uh I hope that they know that the world is behind them and, and I'm, I'm sorry that this is happening and all of us can do something to help. Like we might not be able to change the world on our own, but maybe we can change the world for one person. And, uh, if, if we can, we can help in the ways that, uh, we're able to. And, uh, so we just wanted to have that message before this episode and, uh, thank you again to all of those who helped us donate and now we can get back to the episode.
0: Hello, this is Trask Olgo, incident on the Indar Spire, and I am from unreal cinemas, Knights of the old Republic adaptation. You're listening to the old Republic podcast. Please like, and subscribe on Apple podcast and Spotify. Leave a five star rating review. And Brian and Cassia will feature it on the pod. Now, enjoy the show. For the Republic.
1: We are the Old Republic Podcast.
0: Spoiler alert for everything Star Wars Under the Twin Suns.
1: This is where the fun begins. Knights of the Old Republic 2. How does one even talk about Knights of the Old Republic 2? Yeah. I'm still kind of figuring that out, but we are going to try. And, I mean, one thing I was kind of asking myself is, how the force are we going to discuss KOTOR 2 and pretend we're intelligent? But uh, (laughs) what do you think, Brian?
0: Yeah, so KOTOR 2 is going to be a tricky one to tackle, I think. But I, I think that we are up to the task. Uh, we need to, we need to sit back. We need to analyze Kotor two. We need to get into the mindset of Acrea and the cast of characters. See if we can make heads or tails of this thing. It's it's going to be dicey, but I th- I think we can do it. I think we're up to the challenge.
1: Yeah, if there's anything we can do, it's go in depth. You know, maybe it's That's not right. the yeah. depth people want. Uh, <laughs> it will be deep
0: though. It will be. It deep. will
1: be deep. Maybe we're going into the wrong pool that people want depths in, but what can we say? It will be deep, and uh, we try for introspection. Maybe we'll be, like, analyzing, like, but what about Bayodur's remote, you know? And, like, some people are like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, why don't you talk about CREA or, like, philosophy or something? And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so... So if anything, it's gonna be—we're probably gonna have really long episodes, and we will talk about it. Maybe it's not gonna be to the quality people want, but <laughs> damn it, it'll, if we're not gonna try, you know—that's
0: so. that's right. It'll be it'll be to our own high quality, and it's it's gonna be fun because KOTOR Two uh, is a game that a lot of people like. You and I both like it. We we like kind of the lore and the philosophy behind it. So uh, whatever. Uh, this thing ends up being that the we put together for COTOR Two. It's it's going to be fun, and we're going to have fun doing it. I think.
1: Yeah, we plugged it really. We pitched like you guys are going to be so. We're so confident, you know. Uh, but uh,
0: that's right. That's right. Yeah, you've been you've been waiting eighteen years for for us to uh, to dive into this. So.
1: <laughs> and we're we're covering it, you know. That's right. So, tour Two. Who would you say? Are your favorite companions?
0: Oh, um, that that's really kind of hard to hard to say because they're all they're all very different. Um, I think probably from from the outset, probably the one that comes to mind. Um, and and keep in mind, listeners out there, that that these opinions are likely to change greatly uh, from week to week as we <laughs> as we talk about the series. But but when I think about it, just kind of the first one that comes to mind is Bowder. I think that um, him and his story is is very interesting. Um, kind of the the relationship that he has with the Exile character is interesting. Um, I, I like his voice in the game. Um, it, yeah, so I, I think that, that Bowder is probably my favorite, but but really there's bits and pieces of, you know, all the characters that I like quite a bit. Uh, what about you, Cassia? Who, uh, I guess if you had to have to pick one or were a couple of the companions here, who would be uh, your favorite from KOTOR 2?
1: That's so... Funny, you think I'm going to choose one because I'm like, yeah, um, I choose like three to five. But um, I would say like.
0: Who are your 13 Cray- favorite companions? My 13. <laughs>
1: they're all my favorite. Um, but I, I did do like a top three and honorable mentions. So I did oh, kind of okay. like yeah. give myself some parameters. But number one is Kraya because of course it is, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then my. Silver medal is Beodeur. I think he's just very interesting. I think the games didn't quite give him enough depth in some ways because it seems like he was there at the Mandalorian Wars, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, he personally knew uh, Mitra, uh, the, the Jedi exile, during the Mandalorian Wars. And I'm like, I think that's more interesting to me than like... Uh, some other characters, like, maybe, like, atten at times, but,
0: uh... Mm-hmm.
1: My third favorite character is Mira, um, because there's a lot going on there, you know? Like, she's... She lost her family, and then she was adopted, uh, into the Mando culture, and then, mm-hmm. uh, she became a bounty hunter who doesn't kill her targets, you know? And, uh... I think there's a lot going on, and it's, like, not, like, a lot going on that sometimes with Atten, like, it feels a little bit too busy, you know, but for her it seems like it's, uh, it seems like everything's in sync, you know, and, like, it, it makes sense, so I find her interesting, and, uh, then my honorable mention is actually the disciple, I think his name is pronounced, uh, McCall I call him Michael but Mm -hmm. uh, I think that he didn't quite come to life the way I think he was meant to in the game and maybe it's just because of the zeitgeisty kind of like it came out around like 2004 2005 this game so it kind of like had a little bit of like a love triangle and I think like in some ways people just kind of interpreted the disciple as like the the wrong choice and like a love triangle but like uh mm-hmm. for me like i find him interesting i would maybe like get rid of like a bit of the the disciple wanted mitra to be his master you know and he kind of always had a crush on her kind of mm-hmm. thing yeah but if you listen to him, it's kind of like he is a true believer in the Jedi code, but he's not going to say that they're flawless, kind of like how Bastila would in KOTOR 1. He's not just recycling dogma. He's a deep thinker, and I think he's probably one of the best light sighted people in the game. So,
0: Yeah, that's one of the one of the trickier parts of KOTOR 2, because you, ju- you just came off of... Uh, playing Knights of the Old Republic, and you get into Kotor two, and and the story is much more deep in a sense, but it's a lot more spread out. So you really have to do a lot more work to get all of these characters' stories, whereas opposed to in Kotor one, if you know you played the game, you got kind of the the gist of everyone's stories, but you really had to put in an effort to get you know kind of the background and um, you know the motivation for all of these different companions that you're meeting throughout the game.
1: Yeah. And a, a few people uh, kind of commented to us uh, that their favorite companion was Beodur, and we got an Atten. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, those are some solid choices. and I do like Atten. I just don't like certain parts of him, uh, but yeah. I, I will say he has like, I think, the most iconic outfit in Kotor too.
0: He, d- he does have a pretty good outfit he's he's definitely a product of that uh that early like to mid uh, 2000s uh kind of mindset how they were you know writing male characters at the at the yeah. time so yeah so so <laughs> definitely some uh some room for improvement there but yeah kind of in general like I, I really like Atten's uh story and uh you know how he kind of fits into this light side versus dark side um and how that pairs against how you're playing as the Jedi exile. I think that that's really interesting. And one of the other things that I really like about Beoder is uh, he's, like you said, he, he knows Mira, he knows the exile uh, kind of from this previous life. So I I think that it's really kind of interesting how he's a really important part of her kind of regaining that, that kind of memory, that kind of mental block that she's put on uh, kind of her actions. So I think that that's really interesting.
1: Yeah. So this game originally came out in 2004. Uh, when did you first play it?
0: Yeah, so this came out in uh, 2004 on the Xbox and then just a few months later out onto the PC. So I played it probably right around then, I, w- I would guess. I was uh, a little late to playing KOTOR, but I remember I I picked up my my Xbox and it uh, came with KOTOR and KOTOR 2. So I'd I played through KOTOR, and then I pretty much immediately went on to play KOTOR 2. So I probably played it, I don't know, probably not too long after it came out. I would guess sometime in in like the the spring uh, or summer of 2005, I was uh, playing it on the Xbox. Uh, What about you? Where did this fall in line with your uh, KOTOR video game playing?
1: Memory is a funny thing. Um, (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what KOTOR 1 teaches us. I'm trying to remember. I think I played both of them, like, in... I think I would hear, like, my video game friend, like, on the bus. We were in the very back row, and we were so cool, you know? Like Yeah, that's right. I think he would, like... He was telling me about, like, KOTOR, like, in 2004, I want to say. I, I want to say, like, I actually bought both of, like, KOTOR 1 and KOTOR 2 on PC, like, mm-hmm. at the same time. So, which is so weird to me after, like, talking about it, because they're so, like, distinct in my mind, you know? But I guess, like, I think what happened is I bought them both at once, or maybe I played one and then the other, but I actually can't remember that. So mm-hmm. I, I feel a little bit, like, silly, but... uh yeah. Yeah. So I want to say 2005, probably. So,
0: yeah, so it's probably about the same time for me. Um, one of the one of the things that I do vividly remember um, about playing KOTOR 2, and especially because I played it more or less immediately after finishing uh, the first KOTOR uh, was a couple of things. It It's it's very strange when you go straight from one to the next that it's not you know, carrying on that story with the same cast of characters. You're like, who are all these new people? That's kind of strange. And the other thing that was strange is the gameplay, the way that it looks and the way that you interact with the game is basically identical, but Obsidian, like, like just did like a mirror image. So everything that you clicked on the left was now on the right. And that was kind of strange (laughs) going straight from, from one to the other. I don't know why the decision was made to do that, but I thought that that was very weird. And actually I just re replayed it, um, I, just a few months back, and I did kind of the same thing where I played Kotor, finished it, Kotor two, and I and yeah, it threw me for a loop again the controls. But yeah, I d- I definitely remember you know playing it on the on the Xbox back when, uh, right around the time that it first came out.
1: Yeah, and some of the responses we got, um, and I realized like this is a mistake on my part. Uh, someone said that HK forty seven was their favorite companion, so mm, that's mm-hmm. on me. I'm just. A meat bag, you know, but
0: uh, <laughs> well, and uh, and you have you have to really uh, put a lot of work into getting HK because you have to find all the pieces of him. So
1: yeah, uh, there could be a lot of fun, like putting HK47 <laughs> back together. You know, it could be like a little quest, like I don't know. Uh,
0: yeah, there you go. You just get yeah. his head, and he just rattles off little uh, little zingers at you the whole time.
1: Yeah, uh, and then here are some responses about when. Some people played first first played uh Kotor Two. someone said I tried to play it back when the restored content mod came out, and we'll talk more about the restored content mod. problem was I just couldn't get into the gameplay, so I watched my friend play it mm-hmm. which I can understand it is kind of like a an older game, which I mean it's an older engine uh I mean it's about twenty years old I mean that's why we're getting a kotor remake you know um, mm-hmm. So it'll be easier to play. And then another response says first played six months after its original release. And once again, in the latter half of 2021. Okay. And then there was played it for the first time back in 2018. And I mean, it's kind of all over the place. It's kind of a timeless game, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, when I, when I first played it, I I think, like, it wasn't as beloved as it is now because people are just, like, it's kind of like how we talk about um, episodes four and five. They're just so different, you know, Uh, very Mm -hmm. different. Like, KOTOR 1 is very much a hero's journey, kind of road trip kind of thing. And uh, KOTOR 2 is not that. Uh, It's very, very psychological- Mm -hmm. very gray it just reminds me of like English courses honestly it's like what Mm -hmm. do you think about this or a philosophy course you know
0: yeah exactly exactly yeah the the first the first game in that story is much more easily digestible especially as a video game um you know because most most people that that were playing this you know back when it came out were you know maybe like in their early teens or something and and you <laughs> and you go into the story that's just just so in depth and it's so like much talking and philosophy and things so i could i could definitely understand why it you know i mean a critically it, it did really well when it came out actually but um yeah i yeah. could see i i could see why having played the both why you know, KotOR One's kind of held up on this pedestal, and and KotOR Two kind of gets overlooked a lot of times. But then, you know, as as you grow up and you think more about those stories, and if you have a chance to go back and and replay it, you know, knowing knowing what you know with the you know the experience of life, then I think that the story starts to make a little bit more sense. And yeah, the the restored content and stuff is is pretty cool. I think so.
1: Yeah, I think people uh, fans of the first game were kind of expecting a continuation. Mm-hmm. And then it was kind of just, like, a lot of new characters and a totally new story, totally new tone. Kind of like, a, I guess, like a horror a horror kind of take on Star Wars mixed with, like, definite psychological tilts. Um, mm-hmm. It's very... KOTOR 2 is very unique, I would say, like, in the Star Wars scape and outside of Star Wars as well, so...
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and we, we've talked uh, uh, about it a couple of times now. So, so you had the restored content. So this game, like Cassie had said, it came out in 2004 and it was made by Obsidian. So it was a different um, video game uh, company that had done the first one. The first one was done by, by BioWare. Obsidian was just a brand new company and LucasArts came to them and asked them if they could, if they wanted to make a Star Wars RPG. So um, obsidian actually pitched one and lucasarts said now we don't want you to do that and then they came back and said why don't you make kotor 2 instead so that's that's pretty impressive for kind of a brand new game company um i yeah. mean they had they had experience working for other game companies but uh, you know they're making the follow-up to you know one of the biggest most beloved uh video games of this huge franchise of all time and they're basically told that they get 15 months to make kotor 2 and then they said, well, you can have an extra couple of months. But then they came back on that and said, no, the deadline is what it is. So they ended up having to take out a bunch of uh, stuff, a bunch of cutscenes, a bunch of dialogue, uh, dialogue choices, uh, you know, kind of these big story beats they had to remove to get it out in time. So then in 2009 to 2012, uh, you had just a, a team of people who just wanted to see this thing happen. they uh, kind of got all of the code for this all this lost content and they basically made what is known as the restored content patch. And now that's kind of the, the quote unquote Canon version of KOTOR two. So if you play like the, the Aspire ports on your, you know, on your iPhone or, um, on your, you know, w- however you get it now, uh, that's the version you get, you get this restored content version.
1: Huh? I didn't realize. So the restored content version is the Canon version.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Ever s- since it came out, so like I said, all of the the ports. So like the like the phone ports that you have um, purchase the game through, like Steam, uh, you have the option to put that that pack on there. Um, so yeah. So that's that's what Aspire who's handling the ports. They're they're considering that to be the kind of final build of the game. This restored content version.
1: Yeah, and I mean props for like Obsidian Entertainment for delivering. Such a unique game uh, that I think, like, rivals KOTOR 1. And sometimes it's more popular than KOTOR 1, uh, depending Mm -hmm. on who you're talking to. Um, And they were given, like, not a lot of time to do it. And, like, they actually accomplished a lot with what they did. Like, I know when it first came out, a lot of people were, like, kind of hard on them. Because the mm-hmm. game felt unfinished, but it's because it was they were given like not enough time. That's barely a year, you know, uh, to make a game, and they made it from scratch.
0: So. Yeah, and I want to I want to say too. I'm not I'm not 100 sure on the numbers, but I was I was kind of looking at it um, earlier today, and I want to say that like the team of people that were working on it was only like 20 people and they ended up having to, having to bring in a couple of extra people. Uh, Lucas art sent some of their people to kind of help with it to, you know, get this rush deadline. But yeah, I mean 15 months to do this whole story from scratch with all these new locations and uh, characters and you know, the story that we got and how deep it is that that's incredible, I think.
1: Yeah. And we'll definitely have to, Find the restored content team uh, and talk to them because what they did was remarkable. I'm sure mm-hmm. they're still out there. If you know who they are, or if you are one of them, uh, please reach out to us, and we would love to to talk to you about uh, what you, what you did on Kotor two, uh, the restored content mod. It's very amazing.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and when I played through this last year, I, I played the restored uh, content version of. Of course, so I'd would, I'd would really like to do kind of a deep dive on exactly what that is. I mean in the game you can kind of tell because it'll just say, it'll just come into a cutscene that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with what you're doing, but it is, you know, kind of important for the for the story. But I would really like to do kind of like an analysis of exactly what was added and, you know, what parts of the story got changed or filled out a little bit more. So uh, maybe for the future that's something we'll have to have to dig into a little deeper there.
1: Yeah, I've only played uh I, I guess what would you call it? the unrestored content <laughs> version the original
0: <laughs> you got the you got the basic kotor 2 content i guess
1: i'm just so basic
0: you oh, know oh.
1: um <laughs> but i think it's just uh it's so interesting that there's uh, two different versions and like part of me just my my brain doesn't stop working sometimes and it's just like if kotor 2 were ever to be adapted like what would they do? Like, would they adapt the original version, uh, mm-hmm. the restored content version, a mixture of both or kind of like pick and choose or do something totally new. And like, I don't know. Part of me is just like excited for any version. Cause I think like with KOTOR two, no matter what happens, like people are going to be mad and mm-hmm. sometimes it's fun to watch.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's doing an adaptation, um, you know, we think, you know, we've talked about uh, several times, just you and I, but it'd be really tricky. The The cast is big. Their backstories are all big and huge. You know, we went, we went through KOTOR and did it as a as a proposed film trilogy. And, you know, we felt pretty good about, you know, being able to cover all of the things there. But, but just the breadth of the story is, is so big. But I'm definitely excited and interested to see parts of that story fleshed out, whether it would be Um, In some sort of like TV series where maybe they just do, you know, like a couple of episodes about each of the characters um, or, you know, books or comics. But anything that you can can really kind of, you know, just give some life and give some story to this rich cast of characters, because I I don't know that a movie is going to be able to do it. I think it's going to have to be some sort of like mixed media thing to to get the point across for all of these people.
1: Yeah, for sure. So yeah, like, when I first played it, I was a teenager. A lot of the story went over my head, a lot of the characterizations. It was kind of unfinished and like, mm-hmm. just like the the fan reaction, the uber passionate fans were kind of just like, we wanted more KOTOR 1 and then we got KOTOR 2. But I think with the restored content, um, it's become much more beloved uh, and I think nowadays, like, I feel guilty if I say, like, I like KOTOR 1 more than KOTOR 2, you know, like, mm-hmm. sometimes it switches, like, like, oh, I like KOTOR 2 more, you know, but, uh, what were yep. your kind of first thoughts compared to your thoughts now?
0: Yeah, sa- uh, same kind of thing, um, and, you know, I, I thought that it was fine, and I, I like the characters that we got in KOTOR 2, kind of, kind of right off the bat, like, I liked Atten, I liked, uh, The Exile, uh, Mitra, I like I liked Kraya. I liked how that story got started, but, but yeah, I mean, you turned it on the first time and you're like, Oh, I was expecting to have, you know, Revan and Bastila and Karth and, uh, I'm not getting them all. Oh, there's, there's Karth and a hollow. Why is, <laughs> why is he not in the game? Right. I thought, you know, like everyone that was going to be the story that was continuing, but yeah, props to Obsidian for going, you know, pulling like a 180 and doing this, this whole other story. Uh, but yeah, now that I've, that I've kind of aged with it and had the chance to play through it a couple of times, um and can kind of look back on it Yeah, you almost have to take them as you know kind of kind of two pieces of the of the same puzzle and and put them together to get kind of this whole bigger story and i think that that's really interesting and i think that like i said kind of the kind of the lore and the world building um and just these characters are are really interesting um you know and not not to say that the characters from Kotor one aren't you know equally as interesting, but I think that there's just a lot of kind of depth to these characters and more like history and backstory that you can could really explore and you know get entire uh you know tales weaved about them
1: yeah with with Kotor two, I think it's more about uh the journey rather than the destination, and mm-hmm. I think with Kotor one. It's sort of flipped, uh, where it's about getting to the Starforge, but uh, Kotor 2 kind of feels a bit like a tapestry, like Mm -hmm. the worlds kind of feel more connected. Kotor 2 is kind of an examination of, I think, guilt and grief, you know, like after Mm -hmm. a war, which I think is very profound and uh KOTOR 1 like I love it. I feel like it's a great story too, but KOTOR 1 is kind of just like a road trip, you know. Uh mm-hmm. in some ways, you know. I would say like the feel of KOTOR 2 is like definitely you're dealing with ambiguity on each of the worlds uh and it kind of feels like it they flow together rather than kind of being distinct worlds even though mm-hmm. they are uh very different environments.
0: Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Definitely agree. Now, I feel like the the companions in KOTOR were were more of that. They were they were companions to help you um like you'd said on like this road trip kind of thing, but really the companions in KOTOR 2 could could almost be looked at as like parts of the psyche of the Jedi exile and you and you could, you know, look at it much more uh, analytically that way. Um, and I think that that's interesting and and like you said it's just kind of dealing with with grief and Um, You know, like the burden of guilt and things. Uh, So I really like Mitra Zurich as a a character, the exile, who you play as, you know, in uh, KOTOR 2 and kind of kind of her story um, and dealing with that. Um, And I I think that uh, that's pretty interesting. And and yeah, just uh, just an exciting uh, story to be told, I think just yeah. just uh just very different than than kotor and yeah i think that was that was people's probably main takeaway from from it you know back in 2004 and and probably still up today it's just you know that it's very different
1: yeah um and while like the companions in kotor one i think we're all kind of impacted by the mandalorian wars and the mm-hmm. jedi civil wars uh I would say even more so in or 2, uh, the companions are all kind of dealing with the aftermath of uh, the Mandalorian Wars and especially the Jedi exile, Mitra Surik. Uh Some people love the name. Some people don't like the name. Like I am fine with the, with the name Mitra Surik. Uh So mm-hmm. I think we'll canonically the Jedi exile is a female. Um, so I think like in our podcast, we're just going to kind of, Go along with that, kind of how we would refer to uh, Revan, like as a he, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But, like, however you interpret either of those characters is valid, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. I think just for simplicity's sake, we're just going to refer to the Jedi Exile as uh, she, her, and Mitra Surik or the Jedi mm-hmm. Exile. So, yeah.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah as we as we kind of get into this more and we start talking a uh, little bit more about these these characters yeah hopefully we're able to you know kind of kind of dig into their stories a little bit and make you know kind of kind of heads or tails of them uh we're probably going to be covering this a little bit differently than we did the the KOTOR which you know at least from the time that I came on to the podcast was more or less just kind of a a a big very long kind of year-long movie pitch but you know a KOTOR too, it's it's big and wide and vast and uh, has all of these different little nooks and crannies we can dig into. So I think we're really going to be trying to kind of kind of break it down and uh, take little bite sized uh, pieces of this, you know, until we can until we can wrap our heads around it. Because you know, there's there's still things. I was playing it last year and I was like, oh, I don't I don't remember that and I don't know what that means and I don't know how to, how I feel about it. So so there's always there's always something to learn. Um, and very much the game is dependent highly upon. You know who you're taking with you in your party how that how that story is being told and it's yeah. unbelievable that they could you know get into to such deep storytelling uh in the amount of time that they had to put it together
1: yeah and something that's interesting about uh War 2 is like uh, for some missions uh you definitely have to like bring a specific character to some of them mm-hmm. like uh, only Beauder can get you through this, or uh, this has to be Mira's mission, you know. And I think that's cool, because um, mm-hmm. then everyone gets their moment to shine, you know.
0: Yep. And yeah, it was it was a clever way to kind of kind of force your hand a little bit to make sure that you were, uh, you know, getting getting the story beats from you know the different characters that they wanted you to be.
1: Yeah. And we talked a little bit about, uh, locations, uh, uh some of our listeners s- said that they really liked Narshada, uh, Dantuin and Onderon. Uh, what is your favorite and, uh, least favorite, uh, location? <laughs> in, uh,
0: um, the locations, I, I will say that the locations in, uh, KOTOR, I, th- I thought were a, a little bit more, more interesting, um, than the locations in KOTOR two. Um, I, I do not like Telos for, uh, I know that, uh, Paragus. I, I remember at the time when I played it the first time or probably the first couple of times, I'm like, man, I hate Paragus. But when I was just replaying it, I actually, I found it kind of interesting. It's kind of this, you know, it's, it's like this big, huge space station thing that you're on. And, and there's a lot of exploring and there's a lot of running back and forth, which is kind of annoying, but, uh, it it has like this weird like like kind of like creepy like horror vibe like right off the start and you meet Darcyon, i think right there kind of the yeah. the beginning of this thing and um so i actually i actually like now more recently i like Pragas but if i if i had to pick probably my favorite place uh it's probably Narshada um just just because it's interesting with the the multiple levels and you have you know kind of the different um, you know classes there that you're digging into a little bit and learning about. So probably Narshada is my favorite, but yeah, I've I've really come around kind of full circle on Paragus. But but what about you? We got a uh, we have a lot of uh, locations here and Kotor two. Any stand out to you, or any any that you that you really don't care for? Or?
1: Um, I think it is interesting that you say some of them are repeats, you know, from like the previous, uh, uh, game. I think mm-hmm. like my least favorite, uh, cause I played the original playthrough was Korriban cause mm-hmm. it kind of just, uh, seemed, I mean, that's kind of the point of Korriban is it's a dead world, you know, and not many people are there, but, uh, right. it kind of just seemed a little bit too empty, like not too much was happening even though like the point of korriban is probably to it's like a katabasis where you have to like the jedi exile it's kind of like she's going into a tomb and like reliving her past Mm -hmm. you know and uh kind of having to make sense of like everything she did like seeing the results of that um So I guess it is interesting, and probably when we end up covering Korriban, I'm going to be like, I was wrong. It's my favorite, (laughs) you know, but um, I think it just seemed a little bit empty. Like, compared to Dantooine, you kind of see them rebuilding Dantooine, and, like, I thought that was a good recycled location, because you Mm -hmm. saw some new areas. But uh, I think my favorite is Onderon, because it's just a classic uh, Tales of the Jedi location, Mm-hmm. And, um, I think it's just, uh, unique and there's dragons and there's in and there's a queen and, like, Master Kavar. Like, I think it's just kind of like what I kind of like. And it was really cool to see Onderon later on in, uh, the Clone Wars.
0: Yeah, yeah, Onderon's a cool one and, uh, you get to do some fun stuff there. And, yeah, and I, I, I kind of like the... Uh, ducks in there you have like the Mandalorian encampment that's pretty cool so yeah I mean there's there's some cool stuff I I do think by and large that a lot of the locations um like you said about Korriban they felt maybe a little empty and I wonder if that was just a product of uh, some time constraints where they didn't really get to fill these things up as much as they'd originally uh planned but uh yeah sure
1: so when we pitched KOTOR 1 it was kind of like examining uh the story of Kotor one through the lens of like we are pitching a movie trilogy mm-hmm. to be released in theaters. Um, how do you co- I mean, it's probably gonna change from this episode to like uh, oh,
0: sure. how yeah. the
1: how how we end up covering Kotor two, but mm-hmm. what is your kind of dream? adaptation for kotor 2 would it be an ice capade a novel a tv series movies a rap album hip-hop album oh, okay or what
0: yeah i would like to have um <laughs> yeah Kray- Kraya, the the hip-hop artist uh, would be good yeah we've oh, we've uh we've we've uh, pitched the ice capade before that would be good um <laughs> g-o-t-o on ice uh Yeah, I don't I don't know it. That's that's tricky. And I think that was part of our our hangups on, you know, getting into KOTOR 2 is we didn't really know how to how to approach it. So I guess guess right now, since I'm not being held held to this, you know, steadfast belief, what I think what I think would be good is you, you know, you just you just went and watched the KOTOR trilogy that you and I put together, Um, you know, is the the most beloved film trilogy of all time. Um, yeah. and and Worked you're so ready yeah, and you're ready to get into into 2. So what I, what I think the best way to do it right now is that you do a Disney plus series um, it could be like a little mini series like like four to six episodes and you do them you know kind of about, each of the characters or, you know, maybe you, you could figure out how to get like two of the characters and at the same time, and you do that for, uh, you know, over the course of a couple of years, you have maybe like two of these things come out a year, um, for three or four years. And that kind of lays out who everyone is, what their story is. And then at that point, I think you could do a film, maybe two films where, um, you're kind of telling like maybe like the, the latter half of KOTOR to, um, you know, you kind of you kind of address like the the first part of the game and everyone getting together maybe uh, through those different miniseries. And then you can kind of have uh, some sort of like Avengers Assemble kind of thing to, you know, finish out the story in a film.
1: I'm trying to think what the the battle cry could be like for <laughs> the KOTOR <laughs> 2 companions. Yeah, or I don't know. Would it be restored content mod? assemble I don't know <laughs>
0: that, that's right that's right uh, influence influence lost or influence gained you just you influence just yell it and go
1: <laughs> gained um yeah um I maybe Kotor 2 is actually gonna be a lot more fun to cover because like I don't know I'm just like so I feel like so in awe of kotor 2 and inadequate so I think mm-hmm. I'm just gonna take myself less seriously and just have fun with it. So maybe yeah. that will be, you know, more fun, funner. <laughs> just kidding. Funner isn't a word. Um, but one thing I realized is like, if we mess up, guess what we can do later? We can restore <laughs> the content Ooh, later yeah. on in our like podcast. That. So <laughs> That's it's right. like That's editing. Right. It's fine, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, but we did get uh, some Two good responses, uh, like, about, like, people's dream adaptations. Uh, The first Mm -hmm. one says, I'd have a three-season show, ten episodes each. I can't think of exactly where to go beyond that, but I'd for sure have Mitra Surik be aware of things and not have amnesia. Also, I know some folks hate her name, but I love it. And, like, same. It's a same name. Same, yeah.
0: Yeah, I would would like her to, to kind of know. I'm okay with having her, like repress the memory of um of kind of her final actions there but uh yeah I think to not just do like the identical like complete amnesia uh like we had with with Revan you know maybe she yeah knows knows who she is and knows where she was but you know is just trying to kind of block out uh that pain I think is probably a more interesting way to take it for me at least
1: yeah for me it gives her much more agency to remember what she did and like deal with it like in real time yep um and then another response uh from marcus uh mosley uh he says it would have to go through some serious updates as story goes uh his words make atten not such a dick for reals Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. there is a lot to be done but i would agree with 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 Jake on this one, I'd make it a four to five season series. That way, we can explore the real darkness of the game, the nihilism of Kreia, and then I would give Darth Nihilus a voice, but very whispery. You couldn't mm-hmm. place it, but it's a voice instead of a ghostly sound he he makes in the game. Which I agree with. I think Nihilus. I am here to nerf Nihilus down. And make him more of a physical presence and character rather than some weird thing with a mask. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, I think that would be good. I would like to have, you know, some kind of actual voice. I'm trying to, what, what were the name of those, uh, the the dead kings in Lord of the Rings? How they had kind of, it was like that whispery voice uh, kind of thing when Frodo could hear them. So something like that maybe. Yeah. Uh, I think would, would be better suited to nihilist especially on screen i think
1: the voice in doom too could be a good use of it Mm -hmm. because i think like maybe it sounds good on paper and in a video game but like if you're like gonna base like a lot of the story around someone like they need to have a body a physical presence and They need to have a voice and, like, a background, you know? Like, you can't just make someone so mysterious and grand, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. They have to be a character. Um, But that's just me. Maybe some people are going to be like, keep Nihilus weird, and I'll have to be (laughs) like, okay, (laughs) Okay. I respect your your takes, but... uh, That's right. (laughs) My dream... uh, Yeah,
0: yeah, that's right. What's yours?
1: My dream adaptation... uh, for KOTOR 2, whereas I see KOTOR 1 uh, as a trilogy of movies, I think I see KOTOR 2 as a novel, and, like, I foresee us kind of covering this as, like, a literature course, you know, it just brings me back to the days of, like, when I would be doing my undergrad, and, like, it's like, oh, I'm learning about Uh, the English romance period, you know, like, gotta read all these, all these authors and their poems, kind of learn the history, and, like, uh, I should have gotten a sponsorship uh, from Penguin's Classics or the Norton Anthology, like, English lit textbooks, but uh, it just brings me back because, like, you'd kind of learn the history of the authors and the time period, and then, there'd kind of be, like, a summary of, like, what you just read and, like, things explaining the words that you didn't really understand. And, like, mm-hmm. I guess that's my dream adaptation for KOTOR 2 is to be a literature course and, like, reading a textbook to understand it all. Because I, I just, maybe in 200 years, people will be, you know, covering KOTOR 2. In a, in a, whatever a text, whatever form textbooks take in two centuries, you know, but, uh, I mean, it's like, I could just imagine, like, some students, like, not completing their reading, and it's like, they just have to totally, like, BS, like, yeah, Kraya, uh, what is Kraya not, you know, and, like, I compare her to blank, blank or blank, and, like, like, what do you think of this character, Nihilus, you know, like, (laughs) Um I guess that's my dream. So Yeah, there you go. Let us know what your dream is. Like and hopefully it's the Ice Capade, you know, but
0: <laughs> Hopefully it's the Ice Capade or maybe oh, you know, it would be fun would be like uh, one of those uh, master class uh things that is led by Kreia, maybe. She could be like the guest instructor for a master class.
1: She would teach a dang good philosophy course. Uh That's right. And at the end of it you would like gain and lose influence and it's like i did everything right and it's like but that means you did everything wrong and it's like oh Oh. there's a lesson (laughs) in that you know but (laughs) that's right yeah so that was us kind of covering kotor 2 for the first time and yeah i'm sort of scared of it but uh
0: that's okay we will we will face our fears about kotor 2 together
1: or I will Katabasis this corbon cave, you know, and face it.
0: <laughs> that's that's right. Yeah, you just have to you just have to uh, get yourself, you know, excited about Kotor 2 and and we can get into it. But yeah, I think that it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Like you, like you said, it's it's so like nuanced and wide. I don't think we have to take it, you know, super seriously. Um, From a standpoint of, you know, where we're trying to put together like, you know, actual like, like films and film theory applying to that. We can just kind of we can just kind of talk about the stories and the characters and the locations and, you know, just have some fun with it, get into it. And uh, we definitely want to, you know, make sure we're getting feedback from people, uh, letting us know what they think about the game and the different characters. Um, All those responses we got came from our uh, newly, uh, done discord server. Um, so if you want to get an invite to that, go to my Instagram page, which is at Astro underscore droid underscore. And then on my little link tree, there's a, a link for that. So you can check out the discord over there if you want. And we're talking about all of this stuff and movies and books and all sorts of, uh, good times on there. And then we have a Patreon patron only, uh, section of the discord that you get access to if you, uh, Join us on uh, Patreon, which can be found at patreon.com slash old republic podcast.
1: Yeah. And uh, I guess I'm less scared now that we've kind of dipped our toe into the the kiddie pool that is KOTOR 2, you know, and uh, it just kind of unfurls more than like being like a trilogy of movies. You know, it's like we can go as in depth as we want and like there's so many facets like we can just have fun with it that's how I'm gonna look at it. That's
0: right. That's right. It could always be worse. You could be waking up on Paragus with Kreia in your head and Aten is your only hope for getting off of there before it blows up. So, uh, so, so yeah. So on that note, I think that's going to wrap it up for our first conversation about KOTOR. So hopefully everyone listening out there enjoyed it. Let us know what you think about KOTOR and uh, what your best ideas are for it. And uh, we'd love to talk about it. So thanks for joining us, everyone. And may the force be with you.
1: Old Republic Podcasts can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, as well as everywhere else the Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscriptions, reviews, and shares help us out.
0: And if you want to connect with the podcast on Twitter, we can be found at Old Republic Pod. And if you want to connect with me, I can be found on Instagram at Astro underscore Droid underscore.
1: You can find us on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Old Republic Podcast. Our intro and outro themes were composed by Dennis S. Mowers at Dennis S.
0: This episode of the Old Republic Podcast has been brought to you by Nicky Dog from Patreon. May the force be with you. We will be back soon. Bye for now.